0: Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise God. Hallelujah. Brent and I didn't talk about the scriptures he read from the stage, but I had my Bible open to the very thing I think it's appropriate. In Philippians, in chapter 4. Philippians 4.4, out of the New Living Translation, always be full of joy. There might be opportunities right now for a challenge to your joy, but he says, always be full of joy, and Paul says, again I say, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all that you do. Remember the Lord's coming soon. Now, there's lots of anxiety and worries. Uh, King James says, be careful for nothing, verse 6. But New Living Translation in Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything, (laughs) but pray about. Instead, just pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Man, that's awesome. And then one of the ways that that happens, he goes on to tell us in verse 8, Now, dear brothers and sisters, a final thought, one more final thing. Fix your thoughts. What does that mean? That's like set your mind, fix it, fix it. (laughs) Come on, fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting it into practice. That means you don't worry about a lack of toilet paper or being locked in or getting cranky. Nah, no, no, just come on. Let's fix our thoughts. God is good and pray about everything. Tell God what you need. So I want to just thank the Lord. Lord, as you have poured out your blessing on us this day, what a beautiful here day in the South. I don't know where you're tuning in from, wherever you are in the nation or across the sea, the oceans. We've had people tell. Well, I just right now, I ask that you'd Minister, Lord, through this Word, that you're, you're not separated by distance. There's no separation here, the power of your Word. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, the Word of God is full of living power, and it's able to cut between soul and spirit realm. God, I thank you, it's a two-edged sword, it's sharp, it's, wor- it's active, it's alive, That's why when we we pray Psalm 91 that we come under the sheltered place of the Most High. That's not some happy words that just we hope for. Yes, there's a hope, but it's an active, alive word that those who live in that place shall find a rested, safe place there, that no plague shall come on your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. These are active words. So I want to pray for our offering this morning. But I want to read out of Malachi chapter 3 and our tithes and offerings. If um, if you would join us, you can give online. You probably will see something come up on your live stream. I want to welcome those by live stream. I want to welcome those that are joining us from wherever you are. There's another Scripture that is active and alive, and it's out of Malachi chapter 3. The Lord says, in verse, this is Malachi 3 and in, again in verse 6, New Living Translation, I'm the Lord and I do not change. He said, goes on and he says, you have robbed me, you failed me, you, didn't, you cheated me out of tithes and offerings, verse 8, and as a result the whole nation was under a curse so then this is a repentance place it says bring the tithes into the storehouse so there'd be enough food in my temple I pray God thank you for this week we were able to give out food in our food pantry drive-bys came in food people that were in need that don't have resources could come and get some I thank you Lord for that provision Then it goes on it says if you'll try me in this I will open the windows of heaven says the Lord And I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have room for it. Try it. Put me to the test. Then he goes on and says, your crops won't fail. I'll guard them from disease. In the King James, it says in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. This coronavirus is trying to devour families, destroy resources. It's a devourer. It's one of the greatest trials probably since World War II that we've had as a nation. And so, Lord, I thank you that your word is true. So I pray now a blessing on our tithes and our offerings. Multiply it, Lord. I know across the nation I've gotten calls from Nepal. I've had calls from others, emails. God, I pray right now for our people serving in other nations. Lord, I pray for Israel right now. My rabbi friend from Israel emailed me this week, and then I called him on the phone. He says that because of socialized medicine in Israel and the fact that they haven't had a government for over a year there wasn't a budget, so therefore their hospitals are near collapse. I don't know the extent of that, but God, I pray blessing across the, all of the states here in New York, those that are struggling today, those that are in ICUs. God, I pray that you now would rebuke the devourer for our sake. Lord, as we stand with others declaring in 714 of 2 Chronicles, my people, if, if, if my people called by my name, Would humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then God would hear from heaven and He would heal our land, rebuking the devourer. So, God, I thank you for your blessing now on our tithes and our offerings. You can give online, you can drop off your check during the week, uh, however you choose to do it, you can mail it in. God, I thank you that you're able to do this. We thank you for your glorious presence here among us. Amen. Praise God. I, I hope you've been able to join us by uh, by live stream and streaming. We'll be doing our Monday night men kingdom men's group. You can do a phone call in. That worked pretty well last uh, last Monday night at 7. Then on Wednesday morning, our intercessory group from 9 to 10.30, same thing. Same call in number, same code. It's pretty simple um, process, and it's been working well. And then Wednesday night, we'll be live streaming again on Breaking Free. We're in lesson number five. If you've been following along in Breaking Free from Ministry Team Training, um, we'll be covering uh, again additional modules this week on Wednesday night at 6:30 to 8. You can join us then. This morning's message, the, the Lord put upon my heart. The title, I've titled this message, it's out of Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 in the New Living Translation. And I've captured a part of that statement. Colossians 1:12. It says, the inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. Meditate on that a minute. The inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. That's a powerful statement. We're going to unpack this whole chapter in uh, chapter of Colossians 1. We're going to stay there probably most of the time. I'll just unpack that whole thing. It was our reading assignment for last week's uh, Breaking Free study on Wednesday night to do the four chapters of Colossians. But this, this book is something about digging down deep into it. And so, let me just give you a little bit of background about um, the book of Colossians and what, what Paul was saying. First of all, this is in AD 61. The Apostle Paul, he'd never been to Colossians at that point. In fact, it was a church plant off of the church at Ephesus. Ephesus is about 100 miles to the east. Um, of Colossae, there was a a co-worker who actually was in prison. We know that from Philemon. Epiphras is, I think, how you say his name. Uh, Epiphras is his his long name. He was actually the church planter from that region. He was a local. We see that in Philemon chapter 1, verse 23. Right after the book of Titus, you'll see that little book of Philemon. And also in Philippians 2, in verse 25, and in Philippians 4 and 18, His name is mentioned, but turn back just for a moment if you're there in Colossians. In Colossians chapter 4, and then in verse 12, it says, Epiphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant of Christ Jesus, send you his greetings. He always prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you, following the whole will of God, I can assure you he prays hard for you and for all the believers both in Laodicea and Hierapolis. So he was a church planter but from that region. So we find out that what is Paul's purpose in this book? It's an amazing testimony because it's foundational. It's really, today is really a Bible study on a foundational truth. The Apostle Paul had never met them in Colossus and so he addresses this brand new church plant And he wants to tell them the biblical truth. So chapter 1 is just loaded with all these foundational truths. If you were to have a really short time in one letter to tell brand new believers, let me tell you what's really, really important. And Paul does that. It's an amazing chapter. that ought to really warm our hearts and encourage us. So he wants these keys of the new believers to get it so they can have this revelation. So let's uh, let's look at Colossians chapter one. We're going to read out of the New Living Translation. I may uh, flip back a little bit to King James, but predominantly I'll use the Thought for Thought translation out of the New Living Translation. And so he starts out um, in that. Let's look at verse twelve for a moment, and then we'll go back to the beginning. Look at Colossians 1.12, Always thanking the Father. Boy, that. Right there, you could sail on that for a moment. Always thanking the Father. How joyful are you? How, when you first wake up, I've gotten into this discipline. As soon as I open my eyes and I realize who I am and where I am, I made it through another night. I thank the Father, I thank the Son, and I thank the Holy Spirit. And I just ask, I open my eyes with that first thought of just being thankful for His grace. Well, Paul does the same thing. He says, always thanking the Father, verse 12. He has enabled you. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to people who live in the light. Listen to the King James. It says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of saints in the light. This meet to be partakers is that He's enabled. Here's the definition of enablement. This place of enabled means it makes it possible. The Father has made it possible for you and me to enter into that place. That means or implies it may not be possible because there's some conditionality around this, right? It says that He makes it possible. He's enabled you. Well, what is this that He's enabled us to be? He's enabled us for an inheritance. Well, what's an inheritance? It's something you receive from a relationship. Usually it's family. And it's from those who have gone before you. What he's implying here, there's an inheritance that's been set aside for you. There's an inheritance, but it's for those who are saints in light. So there's a lot of implication or conditionality around this statement here. So let's pick up and let's go. I want to read through chapter 1 and just follow along with me. Our team has got it posted hopefully on your, new, on your live stream here. But let's begin in chapter 1 and verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ from our, and from our brother Timothy. In fact, it, this is a prison letter. I want you to get a picture for a moment of you got Timothy, you got Paul, and probably Ephras at this point is also in that place. They're in prison, and they're writing the prison letters. And he's addressing this to them, and he says, we're writing to you, God's holy people, verse 2, from the city of Colossi, to the city of Colossae, who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. So we know who the audience is, we know who the authors are, and may our God the Father give you grace and peace. Well, that'd be awesome. Verse 3, we always pray for you. We give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. They've heard of it. This is the testimony that's coming back. Look at verse 5, God has reserved for you in heaven, but look at verse 5, it comes from a confident hope. So this testimony comes, why? What's the source of the testimony of this faith? Confident hope, right? This is that place of expectation reserved for you in heaven. Do you realize you have a reservation in heaven? Well, that ought to bless you right there. You have a reserved place in heaven. That's kind of what Jesus said in John 14. He says, I'm going to go away. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. When everything's ready, I'm going to come back for you. And I go away to prepare a place for you. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get. So you've got a reservation. I want you to it's that you've got a res number. You know, you ever call up a hotel and you get a reservation number? You've got a reserved number with your name on it in heaven. He says, in my father's house, there's many mansions, many rooms. Well, that fits awesome. So they had this hope in them. They've heard this message. And as a result of hearing the message, this confident hope has risen up in them. And they're at this place where now we have this confident hope. Because there's a reservation for me. I heard it from the good news. Verse 6, the same good news that came to you is now going out all over the world. It's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your life from the day that you heard it and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This, this good news, it's, it changes. You know, if you've heard the good news and your life didn't change, then something is amiss here. It talks about the seeds going into certain soils. In order for that to produce, 30, 60, 100, it's got to go into good soil. It has to be prepared. So there needs to be evidence of a changed life. And Paul's saying they, they had it. He's heard it. The testimony's going on. Verse 7, you learned about this good news from Epiphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us. On your behalf, so we know that he's the faithful one. He was also in prison. You can see that in Philemon one twenty three. So this promise going out on your behalf. Look at verse eight. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So we know now that the Holy Spirit had been imparted to them. This was a church, a Spirit-filled church, and the evidence of that is now love is spreading as a result of these Gentiles in that city that are now being touched by the Holy Spirit and opening up. Look at verse 9. As a result of that, Paul gets encouraged, and he says, Now we don't stop praying for you since we heard this about you. We have asked God to give you complete knowledge of His will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. I'm going to camp on this in a little bit. I want you to see there are three specific Greek words here. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of His will, wisdom, spiritual wisdom, and understanding. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Sounds like Paul when he speaks in Ephesians, right? I pray that God would give you spiritual wisdom and revelation. I'm going to come back to this in a moment. Let me read on. It says, so he's not stopped praying because he knows now. Verse 10, then as a result of that, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, you will live always to honor and please the Lord. See that in verse 10? Then the way you live will always, always, I want you to see this is the conditionality now, walking uprightly before God. When you do, when you have wisdom, revelation, and knowledge of God, it's going to produce a fruit. It's going to please Him, and you're going to produce every kind of good fruit. And while you continue in this, you're going to grow and you're going to learn to know God better and better. That's a really interesting word in know. There's this depth of revelation of intimacy with God that comes out of this revelatory seeking after living for Him. And so, this is a powerful statement of growth and intimacy with God. Let's look at verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of His glorious power. Why? So you'll be able to endure and you'll have patience. Do you need any endurance right now? Don't know where paycheck's coming from. Don't know how it's going to work out. I heard a thing yesterday from my, my grandkids. Uh, mother was saying, um, she said, you know, I think my kids love their other teacher better now because she's homeschooling, right? And so there's this thing like, do you need patience and endurance? (laughs) I was like, yeah. My daughter Katie, she's such a social butterfly. She is like, when is this going to end? I got to go back to church. I want to go. Yeah. You need patience and endurance? Well, how do you get it? You get it from the glorious power that's in this hope of the resurrection. He goes on, he says, may you always be filled with joy. And here's that verse 12 again. Always thanking the Father who has enabled you. He's made it possible for this share of inheritance that belongs to His people. It's not for everybody. You you can miss this. It's only for the, King James says, saints in the light, those who live in the light. This is why those, we're, we're praying Psalm 91. Those who live in the sheltered place of the Most High will find rest. If you're not under the sheltered place of the Most High, this anxiety, this fear, this lack, this sickness, man, you can go down a rabbit hole in a hurry. But those who live there shall find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And then it goes on, all these promises. He'll spring the snare of the fowler. These evils shall not befall you. You may see a thousand dying here, 10,000 dying on the right, and there's thousands dying. Our hearts are broken by what we hear, what we see worldwide I heard yesterday almost 900 deaths in Italy one day alone. God, I pray that we stand under that safe place, the collateral blessing of being in the shelter of the Most High. That's not some nice happy words. That's the active word of God that is full of living power, that those who live in that place shall find rest under it. Then he says, I'll rebuke, it." and there's a trap that's been set. I'll spring the snare of the fowler. You don't even know that trap's been set. And he springs it. He sends his angels out ahead. And they take charge over this. Then he goes on and even promises. He says, I'll give you long life and salvation to those who honor my name. That's not some happy words. That's the active word of those who stand in that sheltered place. Those who share in the inheritance. That's the promise. And we believe it. We stand under it. It's activated by faith. But you got to stand in the light. Now it goes on in verse 13, it says, He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. (laughs) Translated us, transferred us. King James says translated. The New Living Translation says, He's taken us from the kingdom of darkness and He's transferred us to the kingdom of His dear Son. There are two kingdoms, make no mistake about it. There's the kingdoms of this world that are registered and controlled by the God of this world, Paul tells us in Corinthians. And then there's the kingdom of His dear Son. That's why we are sojourners. We're not not of this world. We're we're citizens of another realm, he speaks of. That's why we can be transferred into this place. That's why we become new creatures in Christ, he tells us in Corinthians. When you're born again, you're a new creature. It's a new prototype. You're brand new. Marked by heaven. Marked by heaven. That's why when He comes and He rolls up this place, when all of it's over and said and done with, and there's a lot of folks saying, man, we're getting close. When He rolls it all up and He sends His angels to gather the elect, the marked ones, the ones that have been translated, He knows who they are. Well, let's take a look at verse 14. How did this happen? He purchased us. He purchased, how much was that blood worth? The Son of God who came and gave His life. The Father so loved the world, He gave His only Son that whoever believes Him would not perish but have eternal life. Man, my, I can't even get my head around eternal life. All these blessings. We, we so live in this captured years of our time in existence, but it's so much bigger, so much broader. He purchased us. This royal blood, how valuable, how powerful he forgave our sin now this mentor he's speaking he's writing a letter to these brand new believers who are brand they don't have the concept they don't have they don't have facebook they don't have a they may not even have this book they've got an active person who's coming and is telling them of the scriptural revelations they've gotten but here paul writes this to them in this letter form look at verse 15 this this 15 through 20 is a solid foundational principle that ought to bless you. If you don't get blessed by this, then there's something you need an adjustment to your blesser, okay? Let's start with verse 50. He says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and He's supreme over all creation. Maybe you could say He's large and in charge. Yeah, look at the next verse. Verse 16, He says, When we look at this promise, He is supreme, but it says, through Him, God created everything. God, so make no bones about it. He's in charge. He existed from the beginning. He created everything. In the heavenly realms, the earth realms, He made the things you can see and the things you cannot see. Everything. Look around. People have, oh, you know, these naturalists, those who are humanized thinkers, they can't get it. It says they worship the creation and Man, Romans 1 makes it really clear. If you look at the creation, you can't help but understand that He's the God of all creation. When I look at my grandchildren, when I saw my children, I saw all four of my children born. I've, when I look at them, it's like, man, if you, you cannot miss the fact that there's this. Wow, God made all things, the things we can't see. Then He goes on, He gives an example. The things you can't see like thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Boy, that's, talk about foundational truth. Then he goes on in verse, he goes, verse 17. He existed before anything else. The humanists have trouble with this. The Darwinist theories, yes, okay, well look, (laughs) we've covered this a while back, but hey, He existed before anything else was. And He holds all creation together. Christ is the head of the church, which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. Wow. So He is first in everything. He's the firstborn from the dead. Let's look at the next verse. God in all of His fullness. Think about this for a minute. I... I don't know how this works. It says the same spirit is Romans 8:11. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. Wow. Here it is again. The fullness of God, the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to live in Christ. He represented, that's why he's the visible image of this invisible God. But why? He made peace. He made peace. He reconciled. Look at that verse 20. Through him, through Christ, God reconciled. He made everything okay. He made peace. See, There was a lack of peace between heaven and earth. In the rebellion that happened from our great, great, great grandparents in the garden, right? There was this separation. There was this brokenness of, of this rebellion that came in. But God now has made peace with everything in heaven and earth by means of his blood on the cross. That reconciliation, he brought this now, there's no more separation. Then he goes on, he tells us what this means to us. It says, He made peace with everything on by means of the blood on the cross. Now how does that apply to you, Church at Colossus? How does that apply to us today? Verse 21 this includes you. Can I get an amen out of that? You were once far away. I don't know about you, but I know where I was. You were once far away. You were an enemy. You were separated from Him. Your evil thoughts and your evil actions, you were a sinner and you were good at it, and so was I. But now, because of His reconciliation that's now available There's not only a reservation for those who stand in the light. There is this no longer a separation. There's an ultimate intimacy that stands between us and God now because of what He did. Look at the results of this. Verse 22. He has now reconciled you, me, to Himself through this death. A physical body. There were those that said, oh, well, maybe Christ didn't really come in a physical body. Oh, really? But what does Romans 10 say, verse 9 and 10? If, uh, it's that place where we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised Him from the dead. That physical body was that price that was paid, the royal blood that was shed. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. He says He's brought you into His presence. Are you getting this? The result of what he did, and by the fact that you have now had this reserved place in him, and because of what he did and your faith in him by standing in the light, you can stand in his presence. Now, let your mind go there a moment. One day you're going to stand before him. There will be a time when every man, every woman, every child will stand before him, and you'll give an account. And it's not, well, I did all these good things. I helped this. No. It's by grace, we say in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not something you worked for. It's by His grace. So when you stand before Him, He's going to say, so? First there'll be a book. He says the books will be open. He opens up the book of life, and I believe there's an angel that keeps that book, and he'll find your DNA marking that matches the book. And you'll be there, and he'll say, by His presence and by my faith in Him, and His presence in me, I now stand before Him, holy, blameless. Get this one without a single fault. Hello, well, that <laughs> now, I, I I love this. He's going to He's about to say, "You got to stand and believe in it." You better stand. You got to continue to believe this. This is this amazing word. This is how powerful the word is, how powerful the blood is, how powerful it is for those who stand in the light. It says, you're going to be holy. Man, I struggle every day. That's why you got to take up your cross daily and put your passions and nail them to the cross every day. got to capture. We shared earlier in the worship, take your thoughts captive. Paul tells us 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3, taking every thought captive. Right? The weapons we fight with, they're not, they're not carnal, they're mighty, to the pulling down of every demonic stronghold, everything that raises itself above the knowledge of Christ. Pull it down. Take, that word there is actually stronghold or fortress. This mind that's here, we got all this thinking that's on, it's not it's not godly. It's gotta be captured, it's gotta be brought down. Now, not every thought is yours, so don't get all, you know, guilted out and shamed. That thought comes in, you recognize it right away. That is not godly. Take that thing, pull it down, rebuke it, get behind it, move on. But this is where we can take those things, and as we stand in there, recognize the fullness of God, I'm holy. I guess I could annoy people if I just tell them, I'm holy and blameless, I'm out of fault. Oh, really? Let me tell you, I've had people tell me some of my faults, and, and they're real. You know, praise God. He's working with us, right? I love it. Philippians 1:6 he says, He who began the work will perform it till the day Jesus comes. Now he just helps us with my wife and my kids and others. Well, you got a little bit of a fault going on. You're right. I gotta, I gotta get worked on here. So let me look at this next verse. Verse 23. This is a this is a big but. You see that there? Verse 23, but you must, this is not like, hey, you know when you feel like no. You must continue to believe this truth and stand in it. What does that mean? He's implying it. He's telling the church, the brand new believers, look, don't don't drift away. Remember, see that scripture? Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. I don't know about you. When you first get saved, it's like oh man, you're, you are may be an obnoxious believer telling everybody, you know what I found out? Oh, I love it. I love when brand new Christians are like, come on, i got to tell you, the, uh, pastor, did you see this? I said, I know, isn't that awesome? Right? And then over time, been there, done that, yeah. And we kind of tend to lose the fire. There's a chance right now we're not assembling ourselves together. Praise God for live stream, but there's something about When two two or three of you come together in my name, well, we're honoring the ten. (laughs) But still, there's a danger that you can get off track during this time. That's why I believe this virus is so demonic. Not only is it killing people, the devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy, but he's also in that place where people can wind down. And so he's saying, be careful. You better continue to believe this truth, and you better stand in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you had. Of that good news. Now the good news, he goes on and says, is being preached all over the world and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant. Praise God. Well, let's, let's look at verse 24. He says, I'm glad when I suffer. <laughs> Hello? Can anybody agree with that? First verse? verse 24, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. Paul's in prison. I'm participating in the sufferings. See, Paul knew what it was like to have a lot or a little, to be blessed or to struggle. You know, he goes on and he he says he thought he was the least of all the apostles, right? Because he had persecuted the church. He'd killed Stephen and locked up folks. But after he got met by Jesus on the road to Damascus, he certainly worked harder than all. So we see this in his suffering. He saw this as an honor, I am participating in the sufferings of Christ to continue for His body, the church. So Paul sees this. Look at verse 25. God has given me the responsibility for serving His church, proclaiming its entire message to you. Verse 26. This message was a secret. It was actually kept secret for centuries, generations. Remember, he's talking to a Gentile church Colossus. This is in Turkey, modern day Turkey. So you see, these people had no clue. He says, I got news for you. There's a secret I want to share. It's been kept a secret. And now Paul has been authorized to bring this truth to this secret, to reveal it. And he goes on and says, it's been kept secret. Verse 27, God wanted you to know that the riches and the glory of Christ are for you Gentiles also too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Can you imagine getting that letter, the pastor at Colossus reading that at the house church there is like Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. This gives you an assurance of sharing his glory. If he's in you, he's going to reveal his glory. Let's finish with verse 28, 29. So we tell others about Christ. Warning everyone. So he's putting out the warning. Teaching everyone with all wisdom that God has given us. We want, here's, his, here's, here's Paul's purpose. He felt responsible. He was going to be held accountable. We want to present you, them, to God perfect in their relationship in Christ. He wanted a perfected relationship to those who would stand with him. That was the apostle's rule. And he was proclaiming that, going with all over the world suffering for that purpose. What a powerful statement. You see the foundational truth that ought to just get us really really excited. I want to go back and I want to just pull out some of the, what I think are some of the revealing truths about this. First of all we know that the confident hope in verse 5 comes from the, the revelation that there's a reservation. Just get a hold of the fact that I got a room in heaven. (laughs) I got a place. My Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a place for me. Now, he made the world in seven days. He's been working on this for 2,000 years. Uh, What is that all? How big, how beautiful is that going to be? Jesus tells us in John 14, you can go meditate on it. It's like, don't be afraid. I'm not going to leave you. You're not orphans. I'm coming back. So we see that there's this reservation that brings this hope. Well, let's look at verse 9. What is this knowledge and wisdom and understanding? You see that there in in verse 9? Paul prays that we have never stopped praying for you, that you'll have knowledge of His will, Wisdom, both spiritual wisdom and understanding. Let me give you this example. Uh, here's a simple example. Uh, in the electrical socket here on the stage, um, I have knowledge. I know that when our guys plugged in their instruments today, they had power to their instruments. I, I just know it. that has been consistent. Um, we, we've done it before. And so we know there's electricity in there. That electricity is good and it also can be bad. Stick your tongue in there and you'll get a different experience, right? So I have knowledge. I know some things about the electricity that it's there. But let's, let's talk about wisdom. Electricity, when I plug it in, works the instrument. So I have knowledge of electricity there. Now I have wisdom that's applied. When I plug in my shake this morning and I turn on it, I have the ability to apply that knowledge through wisdom. I may not know anything about the motor that's running that thing, so I don't have understanding of how that motor works, but I know there's electricity there, and I have wisdom that when I plug it in and push the button, my shake comes out wonderful. But there's another application of this, wisdom that is deeper, it's the understanding. Let me get nerdy for a minute. How about Ohm's Law? Think about this. I remember my nuclear power days. Ohm's Law. Ohm's Law is the current that passes through a conductor between two points is directly proportional to the voltage that's across those two points, and that current that comes between that. So that is understanding. Those who understand electricity, these electronic guys understand Ohm's Law and how you create it. I also know that The Southport power plant that's not too far down the road is a nuclear power plant that generates power. It comes down here, and it ties in, and our AV sound guys make this all work. I want you to see you can know something. You can have wisdom, which is applied knowledge, but you can have understanding. And Paul is saying, now let's make the spiritual application here. Paul's saying, I want you to know God. God. I want you to know some facts about God. He's the creator. He's the invisible God. He made everything. He's the one who holds it all together. That's a known fact. Paul is telling you, you know this. you got to know God. In fact, you can't be a saint in the light until you know Him. But once you know Him, that word is very intimate. Once you have an intimate knowing of God, it's the same relationship between a man and his wife. It's that knowledge of the oneness of God. It's intimate, it's shared, it's personal. Then he goes on and he says, spiritually, knowing God as the creator, that's, that's Colossians 1, right? We saw that in verse 13 and 16. He's supreme over all things. Well, let's apply. So that's a known fact, Paul says. Now here's some wisdom. You want to know some wisdom about knowing God? Proverbs 9 and 10 says, the reverential honor, some translations says the fear of God, is the beginning of wisdom you may know God but if you have wisdom about the reverential honor one day he's coming back he's going to roll this whole thing up and the wisdom that's applied knowledge of God says that the reverential fear and honor of God will cause me to live in the light that's the application of wisdom I can know about God a lot of people know about God devil knows about God People who, the devil believes God, <laughs> believes in God. So what's the difference? He doesn't have the wisdom or the understanding. He already blew it. He's outside the light. He's now the kingdom of the ruler of the darkness to those who have had their minds blinded by this. Well, what's the understanding? Let me give you one. As many What's the understanding spiritually? So I can know God, I can have the wisdom of God, which is this reverential fear. That's a, it's almost like a back pressure that says, I need to walk in the light. But here's an understanding, Hebrews eleven six, 6, that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. There's an understanding. God will reward the diligent seekers. Do you see the you see the application Paul is saying I want you to get knowledge I want you to get wisdom but I want you to get understanding because if you'll do that you'll be able to stand in endurance you'll be able to be patient you'll understand that that revelation that reservation that's for you in heaven it's there it'll create a hope in you it'll provide you when you're walking through the dark places it'll be that place that God has brought this revelation He goes on in verse 10, he says, then you'll always be able to live. It'll produce this growth and honor, strength, endurance, patience. It's the enablement. It's that verse 12. God, the Father has enabled us to share the inheritance. What does that inheritance look like? We know from Scripture, it says, no eye has seen and no ear has heard what God has prepared for them who love Him. Notice those who love Him. It was the first song we sang about the love of God. And so this is this, you can let your mind go wild. It says, we know by the Spirit, so we know some, my Spirit man is saying, you have no idea, Tom, how big and how glorious and how marvelous what God has prepared for those who love Him. But my Spirit's going, yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. But I believe when we get there, that's why that song that says, I can only imagine, yeah, you can't even imagine what God has prepared for those who love Him. That is saints in the life. That ought to do something to you. That ought to motivate us to walk uprightly before Him. He's purchased us. And then this amazing testimony. This verse 15 through 20 is so foundational. Christ is the visible image. He made everything. God's in His fullness lived in there. The blood has reconciled, brought peace And he holds it all together. Look at this. He existed before everything was, and he holds it all together. I looked this up this morning. I remember reading about this. This, again, may be a little nerdy, but the the molecular scientists have come and found this thing they call the extracellular matrix. All right, work with me on this. The extracellular matrix, they've got a name for it. It's called laminin when they amplified this in the microscope guess what it's a red cross when this is the definition you can look it up look up laminin l a m i n i n if you'd like it's a look it's an extracellular matrix that lies outside of cells and it provides both support and attachment when we think about god holding it all together guess what science is starting to find this out You know, it's in the book, and the scientists are catching up to it, right? It's like, wow, as we get to learn more. Some said, well, we don't want to look for signs. Why not? Signs and wonders verify the message is true. Well, what if they find signs? Hey, I just like it. I like when science validates. So when we see that amazing scripture here that Christ is the visible image of everything that's been invisible, verse 21, I don't know about you, but I was a mess Without Jesus, we are all a mess. You are a mess. Your thoughts and activity, and today, in fact, we're only a few bad decisions from the ditch. That's why you've got to stand in this firmly. You've got to make right choices every day. We see it all the time. People who were on fire serving, and now they're not at all. It's like, wow, that's why Paul warned them. He says, I warn them, don't drift away. You know, I was duck hunting one time with my friend, and we were on an island, right? And my friend didn't tie the boat up well, so we're on the island, and you know, slow drift. You don't see it. All of a sudden, the current. Then I realized, there goes our boat, right? And I was elected to go in the freezing water to go get it, because we would have been stranded there. Don't drift away. It's a subtle thing, right? It's this place. Don't drift. He says you need to stay anchored. Basically, where's your where's your mooring? Go go naval for a minute. Where's your mooring? Where are you tied to? What is the foundational principle? Is it the cornerstone of Christ? What are you trusting in? you trusting in the government? You trusting in the food store that's being open? What, what are we trusting in? What are you moored to? What is the anchor point of holding you in that place? It's gotta be Jesus. This is only a foreshadow. When we read the scriptures, Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. This is only a foreshadow. It's going to get so wild and weird. It says there'll be a time when men's heart fail them for fear. Having a heart attack. They'll even ask the rocks to fall on them. They're so afraid. We've got to get this thing anchored in us well enough to recognize if you be for us, who can be against us. And then Paul, he finishes this in his fathering role about suffering. That he's joyful about the suffering to be able to advance this. And so... Paul's goal is to present you and I perfect. And so, I want us to, I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask our worship team if they'll come back. I think it's just a really great uh, opportunity here. We just want to go out with Jesus. It's a, it's a lively song. Uh, I love when uh, Brent wrote this. He wrote one and there's others like it, but it's, a, it's about Jesus. But I want to pray for us first. If you're here with us, Connected, And you've never given your life to Christ? Man, what a day. Come on. What a day. This is the day that God has made for you. And maybe you've gotten off track. You say, man, something, Pastor, you've been speaking to me is really, man, I've gotten off track. I've kind of lost my way. Well, you know, he's not slack concerning these things. He wants all to return. We shared this morning, actually, Jim, who's running the camera, was sharing today in our pre-service prayer about the prodigals that God is standing there waiting for the prodigals to come back. If that's you, he's not angry with you. He's not mad at you. He just saying, come on. Come on, my son. Come on, my daughter. Come on back. So, Lord, I pray right now that wherever you are, just invite the Lord into your heart. Just come and center yourself in his love. He loves you. He's not mad at you. He's just desiring for you. Maybe you're in a hospital bed. Maybe you're in a place of your family. You're standing in the gap for a loved one. Maybe they're on on some breathing apparatus. They're they're sick or you're struggling. You're sitting at home and it's like, I'm afraid right now because I've had shortness of breath. I've got these symptoms. What a great time. Let's declare the righteousness of God. He is the healer. He is a God who both heals and delivers. He says over 110 times in the New Testament, the word sozo. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous shall accomplish much. Lord, I ask you to go right now out and touch these those that are sick, those that are laid aside, those that are struggling, they're afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear. We read that as an opening scripture right before worship. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. God, I pray right now the soundness of the mind of Christ would come in. Lord, you would deliver your people from sickness and disease. John ten ten, Jesus said, I've come to give life in all of its fullness. The devil's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Abundant life comes from Christ. So we bind every sickness, disease, virus, infection, every shortness of breath. God, I ask you to open the lungs, destroy this virus, kill it right now in the name of Jesus. So God, we come and we stand in that place in intercession. Lord, that you deliver our country. Give our president and the leadership wisdom revelation God I pray right now the spirit of wisdom knowledge and understanding would come together you'd bring a cure in the name of Jesus and then Lord deliver us from all that is trying to steal kill and destroy God we thank you so let's join in we're just going to worship Jesus he came Jesus came to set us free God bless you all I just want to we're going to worship our way out of here and I thank God for each of you I thank God for our team's May God bless you and keep you, and may he make his face shine on you in the mighty name of Jesus.